Like it or not, the senior and elderly population is vulnerable to negligence committed by medical professionals, nursing home and assisted living facilities, pharmaceutical and medical device companies, insurance companies, and everyday individuals and businesses. The Injured Senior Podcast is here to help. Steve Heisler is the creator of the National Injured Senior Law Center and has been advocating for seniors' rights for over 20 years. You have questions, and Steve Heisler has answers. This is the Injured Senior Podcast. Friends, this is Steve Heisler, attorney and CEO of the National Injured Senior Law Center. I'm also the host of this podcast. Now, friends, Social Security Disability Insurance is a payroll tax-funded insurance program of the United States government. It is managed by the Social Security Administration and designed to provide income supplements to individuals who are physically restricted in their ability to be employed because of a documented severe disability. Folks, a lot of people on Social Security Disability or who are applying for Social Security Disability are seniors. So here today to talk to you and inform you about everything you need to know about Social Security Disability is Brian Therian. Now, since 2006, Brian and his team at the Disability Digest have helped over 182,000 individuals get or maximize their disability benefits, as well as creating income opportunities for them while receiving their benefits. Brian is a 1987 graduate of Thomas College with a degree in business administration and management. Hello, Brian. How are you today? It's Friday. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Thanks for having me on the show. Wouldn't it be great if every day were Fridays? Well, it could be. You just have to have that <laughs> mindset, I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, Brian, your website, the Disability Digest, it has nearly 200,000 people who have you know, maximized their uh, disability benefits or income opportunities. Can you tell my listeners what exactly is the Disability Digest? Yeah, so the Disability Digest is a resource, a free resource, Steve and listeners, where you can come and subscribe. And when you sign up, you fill out a little profile that helps us understand if you're going through the approval process or if you've been through it. And then once you've registered, we help you either get your disability benefits or maximize your disability benefits. And some of the the common things that we help with our disability approval assistance. Believe it or not, people have a hard time getting approved for disability. Uh, reliable job and income opportunities. People often want to know how to maximize their disability benefits and different financial and healthcare assistance. And we've actually found some reliable grant resources for people. And you know, keeping benefits is also a concern for people too. And the last thing I'll throw in there is when people go through these changes in their life, Steve, the housing situation usually is impacted. So individuals are looking for, you know, affordable housing and safe neighborhoods and how to do that with uh, fixed income and bad credit and less than 10 bucks in their pocket. So those are the types of things that we do. Now, 
How are you able to do that for free? I mean, I noticed you said that you do it for free. How's that able to, you know, how are you able to do that? Right. Well, uh, very creatively, we have over 50 contributors to the Disability Digest, people that have donated their time that I've interviewed just like this format here. And that's provided a lot of the content to eHow people through it. So that doesn't cost much to produce that. You know, top-notch disability attorneys, the individual that runs vocational rehabilitation throughout the United States, um, even inspirational people like Josh Blue, the comedian, have contributed. So that certainly helps. But we are for profit and we do make money. And that certainly, I just want to make that clear to everybody. But the membership is free. And we do it through ads and sponsors. And we we provide services too. Like we manage a lot of people's healthcare, Medicare needs, and we get paid from insurance companies and it doesn't cost people anything. So that's how people can, you know, participate here like a radio or a TV station. It's like, you know, lots of good content with a few ads. I will second that, Brian. I, I I spent a good part of my Saturday last weekend just reading the wealth of information that you have for people, you know, who need disability, are on disability, and are looking to maximize their benefits, income opportunities for people on disability. I mean, I, I, I've been doing this for 32 years. I've never seen a resource like this before. So yeah. kudos to you. I can tell you that. Yeah, well, thank you. And I know today we're going to talk a lot about going through the approval process, which I'm excited to do, but I'm in hopes I do a really good job and get invited back because that's only part of the piece. Right, there, right. There's major opportunities to help people once they're approved with maximizing their their benefits with government subsidies and taking advantage of all the extra benefits that they're entitled to. So. Yeah, well, that's right. Let's kind of start uh, at the beginning, which is if you're a senior and you've got heart disease or you've got diabetes or cancer, mental health disorders, uh, whatever, but you are disabled, how do you actually become eligible to receive Social Security disability? Okay, so... When we say seniors, I, am I below the age sixty six and a half, or is there a specific yes. age? Yes, yeah, So we're really we're really mo- mostly focusing on people. I mean, everyone defines a senior differently, but for the purposes of of this uh, podcast, let's say in their early fifties up through when they would otherwise uh, become eligible for Social Security retirement. So that okay. that age bracket. Okay. So, so if somebody cannot work because of a condition or conditions, and as a general rule, they've worked 50% or more of the last 10 years and paid their taxes, that's a key part of this, then the Social Security system operates like an insurance policy, as how I explain it, Stephen, to people, in that if you prove that you're not able to work, and you're successful, then you can get a disability check, which is in essence the same benefit package that you would get at full retirement age of 66 and a half, which is your check and your Medicare. Got it. Does that take away from your social, if you lived to 100, but you began receiving social security disability before you would have qualified for retirement, do they 
penalize you for that? No, that's a good question. Actually, they don't. It's kind of like passing go and collecting $200. You just advance to that benefit package. So when you turn full retirement age at 66 and a half, your check amount stays the same. You have Medicare. All that is just the same. I think they do make a, 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 a change in the definition of the benefits, but it's all the same. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So if you are eligible and then you get approved for benefits at 50 or 55 or whatever, you would receive that up until when, uh, you know, you, uh, you reach the end of your life, correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, there's, there's a, a lot of considerations in here for, for listeners out there. One of, the, one, one of the things I want to make clear as a message today is the, the most common thing that I see that is problematic in the system is people wait too long before they apply and these benefits do expire. So, you know, if you take a look at somebody in their early 50s, Stephen, and they, 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 they get injured when they're 50, for example, but they choose not to address anything until they're 56, well, those benefits are likely expired. So that means their next possible pocket of income is at age 62, and they've lost, you know, a whole bunch of money. So if you're listening out there and can't work, take action. Right, because literally it could, it could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars Easy. by by just trying to say I'm just going to suck it up and hopefully it'll go away and you know try to eke it out but that is a really good point. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So if somebody is disabled and you know they qualify for benefits, you know they've worked more than 50% of their life if they apply to the Social Security Administration and they say, I'm disabled, and maybe they send over a couple of medical records from their doctor, do they automatically get the benefits? You know, I, it's interesting. Automatic and Social Security kind of just don't flow together. <laughs> so the, <laughs> They're not really That's, synonymous. Yeah. So the, no, the answer would be no. I mean, there's a lot of people that are legitimately disabled medically that unfortunately uh, don't get approved. I wish that was not the case, and I, I probably shouldn't reveal this you know, uh, on your show here, because I, I'd be totally fine doing something else for work if the system was perfect. Right, right. There would there'd be no need for you if, if uh, oh, yeah. people were just automatically or they were approved based on the merits. I exactly, exactly. All right, so then if they're not automatically just you know, okay, you're disabled and you start getting benefits. What is required for them to do to at least get started? And what do they have to prove to qualify? Okay, so it's really evidence-based. And what I encourage people to think about is not what they may feel that they're entitled to, which is certainly a just emotion, but what evidence do they have? to support it. Because when you start out in pursuit of your disability benefits, you know, you can talk with somebody all you want and they could tell you, you know, they have all these symptoms, but ultimately it's what's in the medical records. So even for those of you that are listening out there and are still working perhaps, or know somebody that's working and might be going through some decline, going to the doctors, making sure that you have all your conditions treated, but one of the things that in today's environment that I feel is important is not only to go to the doctors, but to communicate to your doctors what you're not able to do in every visit. It's so much 
to even bring in uh, a one simple piece of paper with four to six bullet points on it about your limitations. I can't, you know, stand for more than 15 minutes. I can't lift more than a gallon of milk and have every 12 minute doctor visit you get build the evidence. Cause that's, what's going to, that's what's going to do it. Now, if you're just getting started and you're late to the game and you've got poor doctor's records, can't change that. You just have to work going forward. Right. So basically uh, you could have, you know, significant and numerous disabilities or, or impairments, but if it's not documented, it's not going to help you at all in getting your benefits, correct? Exactly. And that's where a lot of people file on their own and don't provide the right information or don't fill out the forms and communicate it properly because it doesn't just, you know, it's, it, yes, it is the medical evidence, but there's forms to fill out uh, as well that, that tie it together. Okay. Now, so let's say that they they do have medical documentation and they've applied. Yep. What does the Social Security Administration, is there like a process or are there certain factors that they look at when determining whether or not a person's going to get the benefits? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I feel the best way to answer that, Stephen, is this. If you're under 50 years old, then you need to prove that you are not able to do any job in the U.S. economic system. So regardless of what you're currently doing, let's say that you are a nurse, but you now, as somebody that is 45 years old, need to prove that you're not able to be a greeter at Walmart, somebody that stands in the front of the store and says, hey, what do you need today? Or a ticket taker at a movie theater or a simple job on an assembly line where down the conveyor belt comes a tray with pencils and a cardboard box and you got to take the pencils, put it in the box, back on the belt, you can sit, anything like that. So that's what they need to prove if you're under 50. And you need to have medical evidence and the limitations in there to support all that. Now, if you're over 50, the rules of the game start to change. And in simplistics, it can be a case built on proving that one is not able to do their prior work. So let's look at it this way. Let's say there's somebody that is a 55-year-old. And a 55-year-old is a truck driver who's been doing this for 20 years, has developed diabetes, and has numbness in his legs and poor vision and has lost his uh, CDL. That case should get approved because that's all he's done, transitioning to another job or doing something else. So, but take a similar situation with somebody, let's say they're an MIT graduate who's done research for 20 years. You know, they could look at that case and say, well, yeah, you've done research for 20 years, but you're not able to do the type of research that you were doing. Maybe you could do another type of research. So there's, so there's point is, is there's different variables. The older you get and the stronger your work history is, the more favorable it is to get approved. All right. So is it fair to say that the Social Security Administration for, I'm sure we can all think of some of the reasons why they would try to make it challenging to get your benefits. Would it be fair to say that they they want you or they the process is that they have you jumping through a lot of hoops 
to get the benefits that you probably should have gotten right away, but they're still going to kind of maybe, uh, you know, draw it out? I think, yeah, there's certainly an argument for that. And it seems to go in cycles where the, the approval process, you know, is harder. Like the time of this recording, it's probably the most difficult since I've seen it since 2006. But I do feel that the system and the way it's structured has some merit in the evaluation process in general. Um, It's got some good benchmarks. And listen, there are people, believe it or not, that try to get through the system that shouldn't. And so having these pieces in place um, are are good. What, What I take issue with is there isn't any there at if a case goes to court there isn't any standardization so for example if uh i just was speaking with a colleague in dallas and you could have a hearing in the dallas area and some judges down there have like a 60 percent approval rating but there is one female judge down there that has a four percent approval rating so four percent versus 66 right it's just an opinion. So that is one area where the system, in my opinion, is just totally flawed. So I, I, I don't want to take our whole time here, but for the most part, it's good. Okay. So the most seniors beginning in their early 50s uh, who have a legitimate disability, do most of them get approved initially or, or what has been your general experience in your uh, 15 years doing this? The best way for me to explain that is I'll go through like the, the, the statistics for getting approved. And not everybody gets denied at, at the beginning. 32% nationally do, but that takes in consideration all age groups. Then if you don't get approved there, you can appeal it, and it's called the reconsideration phase. 11.9% of the cases get approved there. It's a joke. It's like an administrative delay, I guess, is uh, one way to look at it. And cases go to hearing, like we just talked about. And usually, you know, it's in the 60%, 70% range that you're going to win your cases here unless you, like, run into that judge in Dallas. So the 4% judge. The, the 4% judge. So, <laughs> right. but, like, what I see and with a, a network of individuals that I work with, if you do the right things uh, in the beginning of a case, and you can change that 32 to 32% to 47. That's what we see. And the right things, some of them are requesting the medical records and looking at the medical records um, and doing this work as a disability representative because it's really trained work. And then writing you know, a theory as to why this individual is disabled tying the medical records together with the work history and submitting it to Social Security. Most people that do this work as disability representatives will do that for a hearing. But um, doing it in the beginning can save that case from getting denied, get them paid faster. So those are some things that are available now. People are starting to do more and more in the industry. All right. So so what I'm hearing is that most people uh, in the initial stages are not getting approved. Uh, but when they get to the hearing stage, which I believe is like the third stage, that's when most people are approved. And the problem with that, would you, uh, I guess, would you agree is that 
people have to wait maybe sometimes a couple of years until you know their legitimate case is actually approved and they start getting benefits right yeah that's a problem yeah i mean if uh, if you you look at it this way if you work and you're looking at working with somebody that has like a 45 6 7% approval rate that's definitely not 100 your case doesn't get approved there at like eight month mark. It's going to go to court and it's probably going to be in the two and a half to three years out. So, you know, most people don't have private insurance. They're, you know, if they're single, they don't have another source of income. It's a problem. They, and that's where the insurance falls off and they're not able to get treated, which they need to do to win their case. It's a whole series of unfortunate events. Well, if they do eventually two and a half years later get approved, do they get their back pay from when they claim that they were disabled? Yeah. Well, yes, they do. If they're successful at proving, Stephen, when their disability started. But if we go back to the example of the individual that started their case with, you know, with medical records that weren't sufficient, a judge could look at that and say, well, you weren't being treated there. I don't see that your condition was diagnosed until oh, maybe nine months ago. So uh, we're going we're gonna to call. That's the date that I'm going to pick to start your disability. Got it. Let me ask you this, Brian. What, what about the person uh, who goes into the doctor's office and is diagnosed with stage four cancer, like out of totally out of the blue? Is that person most likely going to get approval. There's some process which kind of, you know, expedites uh, their approval because of this, catast- you know, that it's such a catastrophic uh, problem. Right. They have uh, listings in their exceptions that are like, you know, my reference of, you know, passing go uh, and collecting $200. But they do have those. There's uh, major categories of listing for you know, uh, major ailments that people have from heart to autoimmune to bad backs, cancer being one of them. And so they should be approved right away. But unfortunately, I I had an individual on Long Island, first initial J, last uh, name Green, started the application process with stage four cancer, got denied, came to us, and we were in the process of helping him. He died before he was able to get a hearing. And he started with stage four, and it was in his medical records. That's that's horrible. That's horrible. I have another situation right now, 100% disabled vet. So the Veterans Administration has said, you can't work, you're not employable. And uh, yeah, so denied. So it doesn't always work right. Got it. In your opinion, do most seniors, and again, early 50s uh, on, do most seniors eventually get approved? Yeah, yeah. If if they have um, if they have, you know, all the key ingredients for a good case, for sure. Yep. Okay, great. Now let me ask you this: a question that I get asked a lot because uh, I used to handle Social Security disability hearings, but don't anymore. But I still, to this day, get asked this question: if somebody has been approved and they are getting benefits, can they still work part-time and get their benefits? Yeah, yes. So actually, that's that's really how I built this business. So the short answer is yes. Most of this business is run by uh, members 
here that are on disability. And so I know this very well. And you can earn up to, as an employee, up to $910 at the time of this recording a month, right, uh, without having any impact on your benefits. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fine. Uh, it's actually, I encourage it. I think that uh, for those that can, they should do something not necessarily for the money, but, of course, that helps, but for peace of mind. And they can get all that information about how they can do that on your website, correct? Yep, exactly. And and we, I mean, we can't put everybody back to work here, but we have partnered with other resources or we coach people how to do things independently. It's one of the areas that that I enjoy working on the most is, is helping people, you know, supplement. So if a senior is listening right now and they're disabled, how do they apply for for Social Security? They they go on a website, or what? What do you recommend is the way that they go about doing it? The best way that I encourage them to do it is, of course, come here, register, and go through our process. And this is my own commercial. I hope I'm allowed, but it works. Um, you are allowed. <laughs> <laughs> so when individuals register here, they have access to an advocate, somebody that works here supplementing their disability. They'll talk to them on the phone for free. We have a disability approval course, which is free. And the course is put together with industry experts. And it teaches the individual applicant potentially what to do and what not to do when they go through the process. And it's got courses in there from like, like high-powered disability attorneys, John Ginsburg, Carl Osterhow, an ex-Social Security employee, Barbara Mountain. They've contributed like their knowledge. So you know, you know what to say, you know what to do, you know how to fill out the forms, you know how to go to your doctors, all that stuff. So that's the first thing that people should do is understand the process. Now, if they want to use a disability attorney or non-attorney representative in addition to that, or they already have one, then that's, that's great. But it's, that's their, totally their decision. But the problem is, I'm a little off topic here, that without control and knowing the process, it's difficult for people to get approved. And that's the one thing that we have worked very hard on in putting this course together. So they have the power, they have the knowledge. If they want to hire somebody, they understand what they should be doing so they can hold them accountable. No, no, I I think that's the genius of the Disability Digest. And again, I'm you know I'm not you know be a, a paid spokesperson for the Disability Digest. I just came across it, and I was so impressed with the fact that there are courses that people can take to actually you know get educated about what they need to to get approved. Because as you've explained, you know it's a for a formidable process and mm -hmm. knowledge right. is power. And I want my listeners to have the power so that they wait the least amount of time or have to go, you know, have to wait the least amount of time to get approved. And all the other things that, you know, that most people who are applying for disability, they just don't, they don't know. And they go through the whole process really relying upon the Social Security Administration to, you know, to help them out. So, you know, we're around 13, 14, need an attorney, advice, and okay. that's on. All right. So let's say that someone's gone to your website, taken the course, and applied. Still, they're denied. 
and they they have to appeal before and go before a, an administrative law judge, which is like the third stage that you were talking about. They can get an attorney on their own, but could they also get an attorney through the Disability Digest? Or yes, yeah. I mean, many of the contributors here would be glad to help people get approved, and they can certainly do the selection on their own. Yep. Got it. Got it. All right. So if you had to give one or two tips to my listeners who are seniors, 50 plus, uh, and they, they want to get social security disability, what would you say would be the top one or two tips that they uh, should take away from this uh, podcast? I think, first of all, as a general rule, don't have this entitlement uh, attitude and do, do not have, like, I call it the autopilot approval uh, mentality where they just apply and they're going to wait and see what happens. Or they're going to hire somebody, they're going to wait and see what happens. You need to understand it. You need to take ownership. And if your condition doesn't allow you to do it, get somebody to advocate for you, friend, family, somebody. That's one. Yeah. And then, I've got, can I have one more? Sneak Absolutely. One more? I said one or two. This is two. Okay. And, and so... <laughs> Getting through the process, once you've gotten through the process, or if you're listening to this and you've been through the process, that is another area where you need to understand what your benefits are, how to keep them because the reviews are going up, and don't just get on them and stay on them and, you know, forget about it. Got it. Got it. Brian, this, this podcast episode flew by. I really want to thank you so much for sharing this very valuable information with uh, with our listeners. And I want to thank you for coming on the show. And you have an open invitation to come back at any time because there's so many more things about social security disability. And you also an expert in the area of uh, long-term disability and VA disability benefits. So those those are topics that we're going to want to cover at a later date, if that's okay with you. Sure. I'd love to come back. Great. Now, if my listeners want to find you, obviously they want to get a hold of the Disability Digest website and uh, consume all the content on there. Where do they go? Well, I I don't know where this is going to be published, but uh, if it's somewhere out online, which I expect it's going to be, could you just put a link down below? Absolutely. We're going to put a link. But yeah, just yeah. Uh, what, what is the uh, website address, though? The disabilitydigest.com. So T H E, then the word disability, the word digest.com. All right. So it's not disabilitydigest.com. It's the disabilitydigest.com. The disabilitydigest.com. All right. That, yeah. That's yeah. great. Well, that's it for now, my friends. Uh, if you have a story to tell me about your experiences with Social Security Disability, you can contact me, Steve Heisler, at info at injuredseniorhotline.com. If you like what you heard today from Brian, as we alluded to, we have the show notes. You can head over to the show notes and you'll find a summary of today's episode. Plus, you'll get a link to Brian's website. And we would love for you to uh, be able to get that information. So feel free at any time to reach out to me again, Steve Heisler at info at uh, injuredseniorhotline.com for any information about any type of senior or elder injury legal situation. I'm more than happy to, uh, to help you out and talk to you and help you find a solution. Again, thanks for listening to today's show. 
And everybody, please be safe. Thanks for listening to the Injured Senior Podcast with Steve H. Heisler. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more or to get help anytime, go to InjuredSeniorHotline.com or call 855-622-6530. We'll see you next time.